Hey there, and welcome to the Smart and Simple Matters show with your host, Joel Zeslowski. I'm about to flip the simple life on its head, so get ready to be knocked off balance or have your brain rocked more than it normally is. This is episode number 29. Hey, hey, my friend. It's another exciting episode of the Smart and Simple Matters show. This one, though, is going to throw you for a loop because I'm going solo today to talk about some decidedly unsimple things. What does that even mean? Well, it starts with a story. But first, I need to make sure that there's at least something simple in this episode. So I would like to thank the person with the iTunes handle of Hikerbird for some recent flattering words about SASM. He or she recently wrote in a review of the show, I listen to a lot of podcasts and Joel's ranks high on my personal list. His folksy style belies his keen intellect and clarity of communication. I enjoy the variety of topics and always learn a golden nugget from each podcast. End of review. Now, that is pretty sweet, Hikerbird. So thank you very much for the iTunes review. So far, every single one of them has been a five-star rating, and I am stoked about that one. All right, now for a little something-something about what's been going on with me and what is coming up. First up is the baby. Mine, specifically. Uh, My wife, Melinda, is due on September 16th, 2013 with our second son. So I'm about three to four weeks out as of publishing this episode. But who knows? Those kids have a mind of their own. Our first son, Grant, was 10 days beyond the due date, and Melinda's preparing to have this one go late as well. But I am going to be a papa times two or squared, however you want to look at it, pretty dang soon, and I'm freaking stoked. Uh, There's a lot I still need to do around the house, but more will be revealed very soon when it all goes down. Uh, Public speaking, though, to segue into that one, you know, I've got a lot of balls in the air that I'm juggling related to public speaking and and having the baby come along and trying to position my life in terms of can I travel, should I travel, where should I speak, what topics, it makes it a little bit tricky, but I think I'm going to pull it off. I am waiting to hear back from the organizers of New Media Expo to see if I can present at the event in January 2014. I should know something by mid-September 2013. Who knows? Probably be a race between having a kid and hearing back from them as to whether I'm going to speak at NMX, New Media Expo. Pretty excited about the opportunity to do that if I get selected. And perhaps my most ambitious public speaking opportunity to date is upon us at least the voting period, for the South by Southwest Interactive proposed panels are live. Now, I'm hoping to present at South by Southwest in March 2014 with my talk called Experience Curating the World in One Spreadsheet. The selection process puts heavy, heavy weight on panels with large public voting and quality comments, and I could use your help with both. Check out the details of my proposed panel at valueofsimple.com slash SXSW and consider voting for it to make the short list for SXSW 2014, also known as South by Southwest. I'm super duper freaking huge grateful for your votes, for your comments, or if you share the panel picker link with your friends. So that link, once again, is valueofsimple.com slash SXSW. 
SW. Boy, that's a mouthful. And if you're listening to this episode in the future and South by Southwest 2014 has already gone down, well, that link will lead you to details about the talk, assuming I gave it, and perhaps recording too. And here's just a little note because some of you asked me after the last episode when I mentioned that I was hosting a live in-person local event in the Twin Cities for uh, the Live Your Legend movement, Scott Dinsmore's brainchild, and how that went. It went down on August 17th, this past Saturday, and it was really cool. It was my first time co-coordinating a live event. It was fun. It went well. I was the MC of the event and really enjoyed that role. Uh, the most common question that we got from people who attended was, so when are you doing the next one? That made me feel really good, and I have a feeling that we're going to be making this into uh, maybe a monthly thing. Maybe we'll do it every two months, but uh, doing the work that you love surrounding yourself with the people that empower that and just generally connecting with awesome people is something that I'm huge on and I would like to be a part of being a catalyst for other people to get bigger into. So we'll see where that one goes. Um, This is good practice, at least coordinating event to a big potential local event that I might do next year. I'm not ready to talk too much about that one right now, but it could be game-changing for me and for some local communities. Anywho, um, let's get back on topic. So today's show, can you believe it's been 10 episodes since I last did a solo show? 10 episodes. That's freaking nuts. The last time I went solo was episode 19, where I gave you the audio version of How to Rock a Continuous Creation Challenge, also known as the CCC, to complement the resource kit on Value of Simple. So as much as I love bringing amazing guests on the show, I really dig the chance to get personal with you, just the two of us, you know, engaging. And that means today, it's just you and me, baby. I'm giving you a decidedly unsimple origin story for this episode and some tips on when to unsimplify with your family, friends, the news, and your work. It all leads up to the main point of unsimplifying, which I will share at the end of this episode. So stick around and listen to the whole dealio because it's going to put you off balance in a good way. And as one of my favorite authors said, the phenomenal Keith Ferrazzi, balance can't be bought or sold. It doesn't need to be implemented. Balance is a mindset. As individual and unique as our genetic code, where you find joy, you find balance. And that, I say right on, Keith, now... Let's hit it with the main part of the episode. One night, just a bit before my bedtime, I was pretty much done with everything I thought I needed to do that day. But in the back of my mind, I realized, hey, Joel, you haven't generated any new awareness or found out what's happening outside the bubble of today's existence. So I headed downstairs to fulfill what I feel is my moral imperative to understand how the world works by knowing what's happening in the world. That meant reading a local newspaper online. I checked a whole bunch of RSS news feeds from a diverse set of media outlets like Reuters, the BBC, Al Jazeera, and generally got myself to a point where I felt like I knew what was going on beyond the block that I live on. And most importantly, why all of these things that were going on were happening. You know, as I consume the sources that keep me informed and able to speak to the various things happening at the local, state, 
national, international level, not, not so much intergalactic, although I'm working on that too. I thought for a guy who claims to embrace simplicity, I sure read and watch a lot. And that's the thing. To some people, simplifying means an intentional release of the need or even the urge to know. And the question that I ask people at that point is, know what? And that's normally what's happening outside of the bubble that we live in, either that we intentionally place ourselves in or that other people like Google and Facebook and all of the way in which we filter the information and data that's coming to us, unbeknownst to us, happens. Now, I've seen a number of simple living leaders advocate for intentional ignorance of current events and other things going on all around us. Some of them have even gone so far as to say that you should focus so intensely on your life's work or family or local community or whatever that most everything else should be viewed as a distraction, that you don't need to know that it's detrimental for you to know what's going on in a variety of places because it takes time and attention away from creating the things that only you can bring forth into the world. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that paradigm is wrong. I'm just saying there's an alternative to selective ignorance and the pursuit of narrowing your focus in a laser-like way. Personally, I'm declaring that even as a minimalist and a simple living advocate, there is room for and growth in seeking out new and expanded awareness every single day. There is room for and growth in seeking out new and expanded awareness every single day. So in fact, I believe it's my moral imperative to be as aware as possible about what's happening all the way from my city street level to the outer edges of the world and eventually the entire universe. But I need to know, I need to know what's happening out there, what life is like for folks that are different than me, what their struggles are, you know, what their triumphs look like. And that's what I'm talking about today. My moral imperative and an alternative for minimalists, productivity seekers, simplicity lovers, and everyone in between to strategically unsimplify. Now, about that strategic unsimplification, a hallmark of the minimalist community is the pursuit of being intentional, right? You and I see this intentional hallmark in the Value of Simple Declaration, which you can find at valueofsimple.com slash declaration if you've never checked it out. And you see it plastered all over the internet in minimalist and simplicity hangouts. So I'm here to say that I intentionally unsimplify in some ways. And I'm fully aware of the impact it has on my ability to make money, to spend time with friends, to help develop my peers, which I talked about at length in episode 16 of the show, and other big priorities in my life. Now again, I don't do it because I want to. I do it because I feel that I need to. That there is this moral imperative to be worldly, to be aware, to be self-aware. That's not to say that you can't have those things if you don't spend two hours every day reading or listening, watching, observing the world through various sources. I mean, you might even not want to feel worldly. And that is totally and completely cool. I'm not saying that you have to be worldly to be a productive member of society. I'm just saying that the the thinking that I'm sharing with you right now puts me at odds, at least in this context, 
with some of the people that I respect the most. And that's really difficult for me, but I've come to terms with that and I've gotten past it. You know, for example, Ram Dev, um, he is an awesome dude and someone who has had a huge impact on my ethics. He has said that, and I quote, mindfulness in the age of bits and infinite information requires letting go and releasing our attachment to the need to know. Tim Ferriss, another dude who I really deeply respect, he talks all about selective ignorance in the 4-Hour Workweek book. And for me, that's a holy book. And it's helped to spark my personal renaissance, and it continues to fuel it. Just one more example, we've got Leo Babauta of Zen Habits, who I met at the World Domination Summit this year, who I'm a huge fan of. And he wrote a survival guide to beating information addiction and beating the anxiety of online reading. So it's not just these awesome people that I'm at odds with. You know, even a few months ago, the Guardian newspaper in the UK published a highly viewed article by this guy named Rolf Dobelli called News is Bad for You and Giving Up Reading It Will Make You Happier. I'm going to link to that article in the show notes so you can see how ridiculous it is. Uh, but the article states that, at least in one part, and I quote, In the past few decades, the fortunate among us have recognized the hazards of living with an overabundance of food and have started to change our diets. But most of us do not yet understand that news is to the mind what sugar is to the body. News is easy to digest. The media feeds us small bites of trivial matter, tidbits that don't really concern our lives and don't require thinking. That's why we experience almost no saturation. Unlike reading books and long magazine articles, which require thinking, we can allow limitless quantities of news flashes, which are bright colored candies for the mind. Today, we have reached the same point in relation to information that we faced 20 years ago in regard to food. We are beginning to recognize how toxic news can be. End of quote. Uh, My first response to that is, uh, wow, news is as dangerous and toxic as sugar? Uh, No, no, that's not the case at all. I disagree with the whole premise of the article so strongly that I must have a different definition of news or at least consume a very different type of news than this Ralph Dobelli guy. Uh, The article even goes on to say, and, and I'll quote again, news is irrelevant. Out of the approximately 10,000 news stories that you have read in the last 12 months, name one that, because you consumed it, allowed you to make a better decision about a serious matter affecting your life, your career, or your business. The point is, the consumption of news is irrelevant to you. Uh, End of quote. So to that, I would say, uh, wait, is taking life-changing action and making enormous daily decisions what reading the news is for? Is that the purpose? Because... He could have fooled me. I could give him lots of examples of things that I've read in the last 12 months that have made a major impact on me. Did I take action as a result of it? Perhaps not. But they increased my self-awareness and my global awareness, and that in turn makes me a better individual and allows me to be a better contributor to the value that I provide to you, to society as a whole, to my family, and to everybody else. Um, I know I'm getting worked up. Pardon me. I'm, I'm also going to read one more little tidbit from the article, and then you can go to the link and read the rest if, it, if you like. He says that news is toxic to your body, that panicky stories spur the release of cortisol, a stress hormone, and that it deregulates your immune system and inhibits the release of growth hormones. In other words, your body finds itself in a state of chronic stress. 
This causes impaired digestion, lack of growth in cells and hair and bones, nervousness, and susceptibility to infections. The other potential side effects include fear, aggression, tunnel vision, and desensitization. Uh, End of quote. I'm sorry. I can't help but laugh because holy sensationalism, Batman. Uh, That, wow. Um, Anyway, if I'm addicted to something, though, it's awareness. I need that awareness. I wake up every morning thinking about how I can get more of it. And I don't feel like I'm broken or that I have some kind of a problem that needs to be fixed because the news helps me reach a level of global awareness and self-awareness that I need. And I think that my minimalism and simplicity is aligned with the need to know. Not necessarily about the latest email in my inbox, but about the latest events in South Sudan and Indonesia, which I know about about how I can more ethically run my business and live my life with the principles of minimalism and simplicity in place. I'm looking around here in uh, my home office for someone to spray me down with a fire hose because I know I've gotten myself awfully worked up here. Let me tone it down for a moment and say that, yes, this is quite the lead into the main event today. And that would be when and why I feel it's my moral imperative to unsimplify. The first place I look to unsimplify is current events, also known as the news. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about news this entire episode, but you've probably guessed by now, or maybe you've already heard me tell you in the Value of Simple newsletter or somewhere else that my RSS reader, formerly Google Reader, may you rest in peace. And currently, Feedly, that sucker is jam-packed. I mean, it is jam-packed. Some of the RSS feeds, and if you're not familiar with real simple syndication, you can subscribe to the Value of Simple newsletter to get an awesome resource about maximizing your RSS feeds. Um, uh, Some of the RSS feeds are blogs. Blogs about technology, about marketing, about sports, about minimalism, about simplicity, or many other things, essential and non-essential. I could give those up if I had to, but a lot of the RSS feeds are news outlets. You know, they're periodicals like National Geographic or The Economist. Uh, there's amazing opinion and editorial writers in my RSS feeds like David Brooks and Nicholas Kristof of the New York Times, a whole bunch of guys from the Washington Post and uh, other places around the world. It's the kind of sources and the people who just dazzle you with what's possible and what's out there. You know, these are the people whether it's through National Geographic or op-ed writers that help me understand what the misunderstood opportunities are, you know, what the hidden international crises are that are unfolding under our nose, the kind of stuff that most people can't even freaking sniff. Because I've simplified in many regards in all my news. It's delivered to me digitally, and I feel really good about that. And I even made the switch from a physical delivery of our local newspaper, the Star Trib. And it's now digitally delivered, uh, which we changed about a couple years ago, despite the fact that I really love to flip through the pages of the paper while I ate breakfast. The thing is, the news is one place I'm totally comfortable unsimplifying. And I'll tell you, more is not always better, just like everything in life, but constantly being curious and seeking out new sources, especially the kinds that aren't US-centric or biased, it's a passion of mine. I love constantly exposing myself to new ideas and concepts, 
And the best way to do that, at least one of them, is through the news and through current events. That's why I read the BBC and Al Jazeera. I trust that my internal filter, honed over the years as I practice the art of experience curating, I trust that that filter is only going to have me click on the news briefs and articles that will benefit me somehow. So the news is one key area that I unsimplify, and I would strongly encourage you to unsimplify your life when it comes to paying attention to current events, understanding what's going on in remote regions of the world that you otherwise wouldn't even be able to identify on a map, let alone explain to somebody, this is what's happening in the South Sudan. This is why they fought for independence from Sudan. This is why the oil revenue and the militarized line that they have between the two countries is so volatile. These are the kinds of things that are worth unsimplifying. You want to know something else that's worth unsimplifying? My family. Uh, Specific members or just in general, it's another area of my life that I've chosen to unsimplify whenever I'm interacting with certain people. And that's the second topic that I want to discuss. I'll give you a couple of examples and a couple of stories to illustrate my point. One day, a few months ago, uh, my dad and I, we were changing a light bulb in my car. And I'll be honest, I suck when it comes to doing anything under the hood of a car. I'm not mechanical. I'm not very uh, fix-like. I don't have the handyman gene that my dad has that he tried to pass down to me that basically I haven't taken him up on. So changing the light bulb in my car, that was not simple. Whenever my dad gets involved, he's going to get the job done right. He's going to get the job done well, but it's going to take a long time. It's going to take some frustration on both of our parts because of the very different approaches that we take. Me, I just want to jam the light in there and see if it works. He wants to study the light and make sure that he understands all of the various wires and all the things that are surrounding it for 20 minutes before we even try to extract the current light bulb, let alone put in the new one. That was not simple at all. But the light bulb got replaced. It got replaced for free. And despite the fact that it was uh, not either of our idea of a good time, it happened. It was unsimple, but it was a good opportunity for my dad and I to talk and interact, even though it wasn't the best of circumstances. But in creating the best of circumstances, you know, another little thing is I love digging super deep into personal finance and conversations. I have them with my cousin, my uncle, my brother and sister-in-law. I'm trying to help my family get to a place of financial simplicity where they have fewer owned investments, fewer financial companies, uh, and with easier to understand fee structures. But the conversations to get them to that place of simplicity are anything but simple. You know, in fact, I challenge them really hard so that they will work to unravel their reasons for the relationship that we have with money, that they have with money, which I've written extensively about, and what they want money to do with them in the future. I put a whole bunch of stumbling blocks in their path so that they are really challenged that once they make a change, and once they own less, once they have fewer financial relationships, once they have better fee structures, simpler fee structures that are easier to understand, that they're set up for long-term success. But these conversations, they're not easy. They take place over days, sometimes over months. They can take a couple of hours at a session, and a lot of them are just really unsimple. But that's okay, because my family 
is worth going through some very unsimple exercises with in order to help them get into a better financial position, something that I'm well qualified to help them do. So family is always a place that I will unsimplify without hesitating, and it could be a really good place for you to do as well. The third place I look to unsimplify strategically and intentionally, of course, is my business. When I say my business, I want you to hear in your mind your work because this should apply to you. This could apply to anyone regardless of whether you have your own business or are employed by someone. I've had my own business, I've been an employee, and it's just as applicable in both scenarios. Now, I hope that Value is Simple and the Smart and Simple Matter Show seem simple to you, both in the content and in how you get access to it, because I put a ton of work into the systems surrounding all aspects of my business, and the goal is, and always will be, to have you experience the benefits of these systems without understanding just how complex they are at times. And I tell you what, my friend, sometimes it feels like a giant system of digital levers and pulleys that where there's monkeys and mice on wheels and it's just crazy how complex these things are. And one little slip in the digital logistic chain causes this ripple effect of who knows what. You know, my email autoresponder. So when you sign up for the Value of Simple newsletter, I have a whole bunch of emails that are ready to go, that are ready to be delivered to you. And the timing of when I send out those automated emails is unsimple as all heck. I actually got the tip from Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. He doesn't send his newsletters on certain days. In my case, I don't send them on Monday and Tuesday, and he doesn't send them on certain times of the day. In my case, I only send my automated emails between 6 and 9 a.m., and everybody in the Refuge of Simplicity, who's a member of the newsletter, gets some of my best stuff on that schedule. So Wednesday through Sunday from 6 to 9 a.m., their local time, that's when they get a newsletter. Now, setting up that system and understanding how to structure it in a way that I'm not overwhelming people with emails, with a one-time manual broadcast, and with these automated emails that I set up, all of that was definitely not simple. But I'm really glad that I got the strategy in place and that people can expect to see things and hear from me at certain times depending on their relationship with me. You know, taking that to the next level, I have a spreadsheet with 81 reoccurring business tasks. And yes, all of those tasks are in a very simple spreadsheet, nothing complex about that, but the execution of these tasks, I can't tell you how complicated some of them are, and it just, I don't do all the 81 business tasks all the time. Some of them are annual events that take 10 seconds. Some of them are daily events that take me 15 minutes. But being able to handle those and to juggle those and be responsible for all of these various recurring business tasks takes a lot of coordination. It takes a lot of being able to get knocked off of my pedestal and get right back up. So the show itself You know, I have, for Smart and Simple Matters, I have a 25-page instruction manual that I created to make sure that every episode gets the polish and due diligence that it deserves. And setting up the infrastructure for Smart and Simple Matters before launching the show, (laughs) holy crap, that was unsimple as hell, but it was totally worth it. And I'd do it again. 
I may launch another podcast sometime soon, and I know that it's going to be a royal pain in the butt, but I'm going to do it, even though I know what I'm getting myself into and the fact that it is anything but simple. The last example I want to give, at least from a work perspective, is this concept of peer development. And whenever you wade into the pool of other people's problems, whether it's solicited or unsolicited, and I do both, you better be ready for some seriously crazy stuff to go down. I don't know why other people do peer development, but I do it because it's important to me and it's one of the primary ways that I like to help people. But when you get into such unpredictable territory, the kinds of things that happen, the kinds of help that people need as you unravel their emotions and the how-to around them, it can get pretty freaking nutso. But I do it because it is important to me, it is important to my business. So just to recap that, uh, my business is the third way that I unsimplify my life. Okay, related to this peer development concept, keeping up with existing relationships and creating new ones all the time, it ain't easy, especially when you're as ambitious as I am in cultivating new relationships and growing them. It is incredibly time-consuming, and it can be incredibly complex sometimes to have the systems set up, to allocate the time to do it, and just have the energy and the intention to very carefully go about trying to build new relationships and grow the ones that are really important to you. I've intentionally unsimplified at times when it comes to friends, when it comes to business partners, acquaintances, uh, and other people who just generally aren't family. And that's the fourth place that I look to unsimplify. To give you a couple of examples, I have periodic Skype chats with new people that I've met online for no particular reason other than they seem cool. It's not simple. And being solicited and having to solicit other people to just jump on Skype for 15, for 30 minutes with no freaking idea what you're going to talk about, no agenda, just the fact that you're interested in seeing what's up with this other person, what makes them tick a little bit more, this is important to me. Um, But it's definitely kind of funky and unpredictable. Definitely not simple when it comes to these Skype chats. You know, the contact management system that I use for my business and for my personal life, I just have everything in Gmail contacts. I've got category upon category of things to slice and dice people into groups, subgroups, and for communicating better when it's not a one-on-one type of thing. So for example, I have categories for people who are podcasters. I have categories for people who are public speakers or minimalists or simplifiers who live in certain cities. All these different categories let me slice and dice different people into certain groups that I want to interact with or be aware of. But setting up that system is not simple and maintaining it is kind of a pain in the butt. But I do it because my relationships are worth being unsimple for. And I keep in mind the entire time that my goal is to grow my friends, my allies, affiliate partners, peers, and other types of extremely groovy folks as large as I can. Not because it's a contest or so that I can pound my chest and tell the world, hey, look at me, everybody. I'm awesome because I have a bazillion people in my Google contacts that would be happy to hear from me. Uh, It really relates to uh, my deep and primal need to help and be helped, and my need for awareness from a diverse set of people and sources. So while some minimalist and simplicity people seek to consolidate 
their relationships to small or highly intimate levels, I've actually chosen the opposite path, the path of unsimplicity, and I love it. You don't even need to be an extrovert to feel this way or to benefit from unsimple living within your relationships. By the way, uh, now that I'm listening to myself talk, I think I've made up about 10 different unwords today. Let's see, we got unsimple, unsimplifying, unsimplicity, what else? I think that's enough. (laughs) Yowza. The grammar police are definitely going to come get me after this episode. But to recap so far, uh, my relationships are the fourth way that I unsimplify my life, and I think I'm going to stop here for now. So if I didn't cover an aspect of life that could use some unsimplification, make sure you let me know what you'd like to hear about in a potential follow-up to this episode in the show notes at valueofsimple.com slash SASM029 through uh, email, a tweet, or you know, however else you want to reach out. I'm a flexible dude. I should probably mention at this point, lest I get my simplicity license revoked, that simplicity is still a core philosophy that drives most of what I do. This episode, or really any future episode, it won't mark a change in my lifestyle or approach to just my general simplification of life. I continue to simplify my food through the restrictions I intentionally place on myself with the paleo lifestyle and diet, through my exercise with the bodyweight workouts that I can do anywhere and without equipment. My curated spreadsheets, of course, are a minimalist paradise and the epitome of simplicity. I know you you might be thinking, though, after hearing all this, you're wondering, so what does all this unsimplifying stuff mean? What should I do, if anything, as a result of listening to Joel talk about his moral imperatives to unsimplify? Well, here are five things that I would like you to consider to do from this point forward as a result of listening to this episode. The first one is to challenge any assumptions you have about the simple path always being the best path. In my experience, ever since my personal renaissance began almost four years ago, the simple path normally is the best path. But there are lots of times where the unsimple path is the good thing to do, the just thing to do, the right thing to do. However you want to look at it, make sure that you are not always picking the simple path. Consider going down the one that's seemingly a little more complex, that may help you in the long term, or that just may help out the people that depend on you, that really need you. The second one is search for global awareness or self-awareness. You know, the time, money, and energy costs be damned because this quest, that search for awareness, whatever it looks like to you, is going to pay you back many times over through the course of your life. You don't have to bulk up on RSS feeds like I do or watch a whole bunch of TED Talks or listen to a whole bunch of podcasts, but search for that awareness. However it is, you do it. The third thing is read the value of simple declaration. I would like you to see just how many statements are almost the personification of unsimplicity. Uh, for example, the statement about internal mastery beating external awards or learning to develop and teach others. The fact that self-awareness is taken, not given. Curating your entire existence even. A lot of these things are unsimple and the community behind the creation of the value simple declaration voted 
to have those things exist on there. Check it out if you've never seen it. It's at valueofsimple.com slash declaration. The fourth thing is have a conversation with a friend or family member about all the ways that their life is complicated and why they have periodically chosen complexity for the benefit of themselves or for the benefit of others. Now, at least I hope that some people you know have chosen complexity where it exists and didn't have it forced upon them. I, I gotta say, it's no good when something is unsimple and you didn't decide to make it that way. But having those types of conversations with friends and family, you might just discover that there's certain things where unsimple can be great. And you just have to know when to pick your spots and where to direct that complex energy. And the fifth and last thing that I wanna say is, you know, even awareness, family, business, and relationship junkies like myself, maybe even you, you need a break from it all. And that's when a continuous creation challenge rocks the most. And you can find out more about the continuous creation challenge at valueofsimple.com slash CCC. Like you, I know how important it is to unhook yourself from the drip fee that normally keeps it jazzed and instead focus intensely on creating things that might bring a smile to someone's face or help them live simply or even unsimply if it's going to bring them health, happiness, and freedom. So those are the five things that I'd like you to consider doing. To recap, I spoke about unsimplifying your news, family, work, and friends although I could have gone on to talk about other areas of your life to unsimplify in order to liberate your time, money, and talent. I'll hold off on that for now. But if I spoke about something specific that you dig in this episode, check out the show notes at valuesimple.com slash SASM029, and you're gonna find links to everything that I mentioned. I'm about to add another resource and another reason for you to go to the show notes and subscribe to the newsletter and get access to the Refuge of Simplicity. I've got another spreadsheet spotlight that's going in the refuge. You ready for this one? It's a spreadsheet to help you, your friends, your family, whoever needs it, name your baby. Yes, it's actually a spread, baby naming spreadsheet version 2.0. Melinda, my wife and I, we named Grant, uh, our almost three-year-old son, Grant, because of this spreadsheet. And I souped it up because I wanted to make some changes for our second son, who's going to be born very soon. And we actually picked his name with this baby naming spreadsheet as well. The full version of that is going to be going to the Refuge of Simplicity in the Spreadsheet Spotlight series in early September. So get ready for that. And you can go to valuesimple.com slash newsletter to join the thousands of other folks who have already gotten in on this groovy little refuge of simplicity thing and my periodic notes and emails with everything from tips, encouragement, there's even a stealth book review in there and a whole lot more. If you're not digging that, maybe you could help me and help each other and help the mission behind Smart and Simple Matters in a little different way. Can you help me get to 25 iTunes reviews by the end of September? My sincere thanks are going to be coming your way along with a potential shout out at the top of the show if you leave a quick review of Smart and Simple Matters by going to valueofsimple.com slash iTunes. You can also find instructions on how to leave a review, easy ways to join the newsletter and refuge community, and all the other cool free stuff in the show notes. Those are at valueofsimple.com slash SASM029. You can always connect with me via email 
at joel at valueofsimple.com or in a number of social media channels. You're going to find links to all those at Value of Simple. Once again, thank you a ton for listening to this episode. I am so encouraged by the number of downloads that I'm seeing, by the number of emails that I'm getting, by the number of reviews that are written. This is just, I feel so fortunate to have this amazing podcast and to have the kind of responsive community that's building around it, like you uh, and maybe even your friends that you're putting on to this show. So thank you. I, uh, I just, I feel blessed. I feel humbled. And I just wanted to make sure that you know that you're appreciated and please continue listening. If I ever get off track, tell me. Let me know what I can do differently or better. I'm always looking to improve. All right, it's now time for your partner in simplifying to sign off again. You've just listened to the Smart and Simple Matters podcast with Joel Zaslavsky, creator of all things value of simple. Simple.